Welcome to the Defiant Spirit, a podcast about discovering meaning, purpose, and resilience in the most challenging, difficult, and darkest moments of our lives through what my teacher and mentor, Dr. Viktor Frankl, called the defiant power of the human spirit, that spirit that is within you, that spirit that is calling to you, that spirit that is you. I'm Dr. Baruch Halevi, and this is the Defiant Spirit, and now, on to our podcast. Welcome to the Defiant Spirit. I'm Dr. Baruch Levy, also known as B, and today we are going to talk about one word, one idea that has so much importance in our lives, so much impact upon our lives, and is completely misunderstood by the vast majority of people that I work with, that I counsel, that I guide as a meaning coach, people who want to discover deeper meaning, live their true purpose, and cultivate resilience on the path of life have to, I have to, you have to, we have to master this word, this concept, and transform it. The word is victim. We are so conflicted and confused about this word. And if you don't understand this word, then you can't do the work in this lifetime of discovering meaning, realizing purpose, and living with resilience. So what do I mean by confused around the word victim. Let me tell you about a gentleman who I am coaching and meaning coaching right now. This guy, he's an Enneagram one. So I use the Enneagram as well as the work of Viktor Frankl. And the Enneagram um, has nine different types. He's an Enneagram one. That's the reformer. That's the perfectionist. That's the person who lives with principles and diligence, responsibility at the center of their being. So when I work with an Enneagram one, I know I'm in the realm of somebody who's just a good person. It doesn't mean they're always good, but it does mean that that is their North Star. When I know I'm with a one, I know I'm with somebody who's just given it their all. I say that because he was fired. He relocated for a job. He did it um, with a handshake. And there were certain expectations, and he fulfilled all of them. I know this person. I know his Enneagram type. I know who he is as a human being. I've known him for many years. He did the job. He did it 110%. He went above and beyond. It was a failed scenario from the start. This, his, his employer didn't invest the resources, wasn't willing to go the distance in doing what it would take to succeed um, and he didn't set this gentleman that I'm working with, we'll call him Joe, protect the name of the innocent. Joe um, didn't, Joe fulfilled the letter of the law, the letter of the contract, and the spirit of the contract gave his lifeblood and he was fired. Okay, so then I talked to Joe and he says the following. B, and I had him, I signed to him to read Man's Search for Meaning as I do all of my clients. And he said, B, I have no right to be a victim, to feel sorry for myself, to, to be sad, to be down, to, to feel kicked in the gut because I'm reading Frankel and it's amazing, but I'm realizing he was a victim, right? People who went through the Holocaust were victims. People who are raped, people who are murdered, people who, you know, fill in the blank, they get to be victims, but not me. He said it earnestly. He said it um, 
nobly. He doesn't want to be a victim, and he didn't feel he earned the right based off of this quote-unquote minor life transition, tragedy. Um, and what I said to him is, Joe, 100% wrong. Victor Frankl would tell you that. I'm telling you that. And I think deep down you know that. You are a victim. How can I say that? Being a victim is bad. Being a victim is weak. Being a victim is powerless. Being a victim is something we should overcome. That's what you hear when you read self-help books. It's what you hear when you talk to New Agers, right? You are the creator of your destiny. You are the powerful source in your life that gets to choose whether or not you see it as a negative, gets to choose the power of positive thinking, whether it's negative and you're going to be negative about it and you're going to feel the pain and the suffering. And that is absolute and utter bullshit. I have counseled a thousand people through particularly grief, the death after the loss of a loved one. Those who have that mentality are ultimately... Um, they're ultimately devastated in the end. If you don't acknowledge you're a victim, if you don't treat yourself like a victim, if you don't make time to be a victim, you will pay and the people around you will pay a heavy price. Trust me. I watched my father. My father didn't deal with his grief. And in the end, it's a part of why he took his life. So back to Joe. What I said to him is, Joe, you've been victimized, right? That's not a choice. We're all victimized in a thousand different ways during our life. You're going to lose every single person you've ever loved. Many, God willing, it'll be after you're gone, but some will be during your time here. That's victimization. That's not a choice. That's what life does to us. That's what others do to us. That's what circumstances do to us. If somebody's raped, they're victimized. And that means on the other side of that, yes, they are a victim. You are a victim, Joe. However, that doesn't mean you have to stay there indefinitely or permanently. As another logotherapist and student of Frankel's and also a, a tremendous woman in her own right, her name is Edith Eger, E-G-E-R, two amazing books, The Gift and the Choice, talks about having gone through the Holocaust herself. Um, there's a difference between being a victim Feeling your pain, working through it, healing what's been done to you, and taking up permanent residence there. Living there forever. Defining yourself by it. That is called victimhood. Taking up residence, get it? In the hood. The victimhood. Now that's different, Joe. That's different to, for you and me than being a victim. There's a time and a place that you must acknowledge that you are a victim. That's why in the Jewish tradition, for the first week after the death of a loved one, you go into Shiva. Shiva means seven. So for seven days, the world around you and you treat you like a victim. You are powerless. You are helpless. You are hopeless. You are heartbroken as you should be. I'm fine. I'm just going to get back out into life is nonsense. It is a way to, that is bypass. That's a way to bypass your emotions, to bypass the truth of what you're going through. You need to be a victim. You need to sit for seven days 
technically seven, but it's a concept for a period of time. You must just heal. You must confront it. You must embrace it. You must face it. Only one way through the darkness, through hell, to go through it, not around it. Right? No skipping over it. Go through it. Now, on the seventh day, there's a symbolic gesture in Judaism. When you, <coughs> excuse me, stand up, literally, you stand up from Shiva, you go out the door, and you take a walk around the block. Do you want to? Probably not. Do you feel like it? Certainly not. But it's a symbolic gesture to say, slowly, daily, little by little, I'm leaving behind being a victim. I'm not living here permanently. I'm not taking up residence in the victimhood. There is a defining difference between victim, victimized, and victimhood. The first two, yeah, I don't have a choice. The last one is yours and yours alone. And so over the course of a year, you're still in degrees of being a victim. But every step of the way, shedding that victimization, shedding that being a victim, and by the first year, even if you're not fully mended, and of course you're not, you'll always have a broken heart, but you are now resolved to go back out into life, to live again, to love again, to move forward. And that's what I call being a victor, V-I-K-T-O-R. Get it? Victor Frankel. But that's what this is about. This is the journey from victimhood to victory. And in the process, you're going to be a victim, but to stay there, to define yourself by that, that is the victimhood. Let me give you some examples. Um, people who go through divorce don't realize, this is one, I mean, sometimes they do realize, maybe they don't give themselves permission to acknowledge it fully. People around them tend not to. It is one of the greatest traumas and tragedies in life. Having guided people through ugly divorces and every divorce is ugly to varying degrees because nobody signs up to have their um, dream shattered, their heartbroken betrayals and hurts. The true trauma though is that it's not a divorce, maybe on paper, maybe in theory, but so often the person that I'm working with in meaning coaching hasn't been divorced. Yeah, again, technically they have, but they're still stuck Divorce means completely separated, and they're still stuck to the traumas, the tragedies, the betrayals, the hurts, the broken identity. And that's their definition of what was of that marriage, but that's victimhood. Because now you're powerless, you're stripped, as opposed to working with them to go back to reclaim what was good. What is yours to hold on to? It wasn't all bad, right? To be a victim to be in victimhood is to just only see the broken, only see the bad. We work to go back to take um, those pieces of love, those good memories, those aspirations, those hopes, those dreams. Take them back. They're yours. Don't give that to your ex to take away from you. It doesn't mean you have to love them now, but you did love them then. And if you try and erase that, if you won't allow yourself to have that, then you're powerless, then you're choiceless, then you are truly in victimhood. So we go back and we take back what's theirs, reclaim what's theirs, hold on to those memories, let go of what's not. That's power, that's victory. That's the work that we are here to do with Joe. 
He's going through this process of being a victim. He needs this time to heal. But now we're going into, okay, Joe, what can we take from this and make it ours? What are lessons learned? What are discoveries waiting to be happened, right? I don't do that right away because then that's the bypass. But as he's moving through it, as he's healing, it's a process of taking back his power, of finding his voice and moving forward, learning from it. The moment you do that, you're no longer in victimhood. You're on your way to victory because that is what this is about. I don't care what you've been through. If Frankel and others who've gone through the Holocaust can go from, and by the way, he didn't do this right away. Like Some people think, oh, he just came out and wrote Man's Search for Meaning. He went through his dark night of the soul. How could he not? All human beings do. You know, I remember reading um, um, about Mother Teresa and her doubts of faith and her struggles. And some people were shocked, if not horrified. How could she not? She's a human being. We all have doubts. We all have periods of time when we go from victim to victimhood. That doesn't make you wrong. That doesn't make you weak. That makes you human. The defining difference between ordinary people and extraordinary people are that extraordinary people, when they find themselves in victimhood, make their defiant stand. As Frankel said, they stand up, they dust themselves off. They say, hey, I, st I stayed there too long. I get it. I own that. That's on me, but I won't stay there anymore. I'm moving forward. Let me tell you about a guy that I counseled 20 years ago. He lost his wife. Tragic trauma. He was, a, he was victimized. He was a victim. First year, he literally shut the shades of his home. He hardly came out. I went back over a year later, and here was the tragedy compounded. He was still living with the shades shut. He had moved from victim taking up residence in that space, victimhood, and he didn't want or couldn't find his way out. There does come a point when you pass the point of no return and you lose yourself. To me, that is the definition of hell. I don't think there's a hell in the afterlife. I don't think there needs to be. There's one in this life. And it's a place of perpetual, perpetually being a victim, losing our moral compass, our true north, losing our way out. The great men and women all go from victim at times into victimhood. There isn't one single person who hasn't done that. That's not the sign of weakness. The sign of weakness and of failure is to resign, is to give up, is to check out, is to be dead while you're still breathing. How many people have I counseled who simply were going through the emotions? Their loved one died and they're gone. They're there, but their children, their grandchildren don't get anything from them. Don't give the best of what they have to offer. God loved my paternal grandfather. He stayed alive 20 years after my grandmother's suicide. He was, he was not there. He was not present. I loved him. I somehow understood that he was breathing. He was above ground, but he wasn't present. He never went to any of my or my siblings' baseball games or ballet recitals or whatever we were doing. He would give, but you had to ask of him. He would um, 
you know, welcome you home from college to come visit, but you'd have to reach out. He was not there. He was not living. He died the day my grandmother took her life. That is tragedy. Ultimately, that's true weakness. That's the victimhood. You don't have to live there. Don't live there. Find your voice, your power of the defiant spirit. Make your stand. One other idea. Uh, Abraham in the Bible is not a perfect man, but he becomes the father of monotheism, of Judaism, then Islam, then Christi the Christianity, then Islam. Why? His name Avraham means father. Why was he the father figure, the patriarch that the, world, the Western world religion was based on? He was not perfect. In fact, there are supposedly 10 tests that Abraham went through. The rabbinic tradition says you can count them. And there's arguments over whether he passed each test. Some say he failed every single test. So what's his greatness? Because he stood up after each one to go on. And if there wasn't a 10th, there would have been an 11th, and he would have been there for that, 12th and 13th. That's what great men and women do. They go down the path of being victimized into being victims. They end up sometimes taking resident, up residence in the victimhood, and then they realize it. They return to their path. They return to their, um, their defiant spirit. They make their stand, and they move forward from victimhood to victory. That's what Joe's doing. That's what so many people I'm guiding are doing. That's what you're here to do. I don't care what transition, test, trial, trauma, tragedy you've gone through, you're going through, or you will go through. You have been victimized. You will be a victim. That's not your choice. Your choice is simply, will you take up residence there? Will it define you? define you or will you make your stand? Will you define it? Will you move forward discovering a deeper meaning in it, realizing your true purpose from it and living with resilience in the face of it and everything that you have to face on your journey in this lifetime from victim to victory? Jump over to thedefiantspirit.org. Um, you can get everything that I offer from my consulting, coaching, counseling practice. And jump over to TheMeaningAcademy.com where I'm offering with Dr. Daniel Franz and Dr. Elise Cortez new opportunities to go deeper into this work. Until the next time, live with meaning, purpose, and resilience. Thank you for listening to the Defiant Spirit Podcast with me, your host, Dr. Baruch Halevi. If you like what you heard, please consider leaving a five-star review and share this podcast with others. To learn more about the Defiant Spirit, get more inspirational content, or see how we might work together to live your Defiant Spirit, visit DefiantSpirit.org. Until then, take back your power and live your Defiant Spirit.